Hey, New York, it's time for New York Sports Talk the way it ought to be. It's the Big Apple Sports Podcast, starring Peter Weintraub and Evan Freeman. Welcome, everybody, to the Big Apple Sports Podcast. I'm Evan Freeman. I'm Pete Weintraub, a.k.a. just Pete today, not Mama. Not Mama. Not Mama. All right, so first off, you know, not too much going on in sports. A little bit dry yesterday. Um, But some news on the Giants front. Eli Apple is back at practice, which is good news for Giants fans. Mm -hmm. But from what I've been hearing, there is no new news on Odell Beckham. So... Pete, what do you think is – how do you think this is going to affect him? Every single day that we get closer to Sunday, it's less and less likely that he's going to play. Yeah, I don't think he should. Uh, If it's this uncertain – I mean, granted, yeah, Sunday's about five days away. So, could he make a miraculous recovery? Doubtful, because he's had this injury practically the whole preseason, and he's still not ready to play. If he's still on a stationary bike and very limited in practice, what's the point? Like we talked about yesterday, there's 16 games in a season. It's not a lot of games, sure. And ultimately, especially in a division that's as competitive as the NFC East, it is plausible that losing a game or two could be all the difference. But that being said, would you rather not have Odell in the lineup for week one, maybe week two, and then have him 100% the last 14 games heading into the playoffs? Or would you want to run him out there 70 80%? He may not even be 70 or 80% if he's that limited in practice. And then, like you mentioned yesterday, other teams, whether it's the Cowboys, whoever they play after that, they're going to go after his ankle. They're going to tackle him low in hopes that they hurt him further because if he's out, then Brandon Marshall is the number one. And Brandon Marshall is still a very, very good receiver. He's obviously a Hall he's, of Fame caliber he's receiver. Not, he's not a legitimate number one anymore, though. Yeah, he's, he's a good number two. But, yeah, they take a huge step back on that front. And with no running game and a limited offensive line, that's going to pose offensive issues for the Giants. So I think, yeah, the best bet, rest Odell this week. If he needs it next week, be conservative. This guy is the face of your franchise. He's the best player on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe on both sides of the ball in terms of just overall talent and what he brings to the table. You need to keep him healthy. And if you're going to put him at risk to win one opening game, that's stupid in my opinion. Oh, it's very, very stupid. All right, but, you know, that's enough of the Giants. You know, like I said, not too much going on in football today. We're wait, still waiting to hear if the Ezekiel Elliott suspension will be upheld or if it will be reduced or whatever, but there is no news on that as of yet. So the Jets, though, have a little bit of news. Jeremy Curley visiting Jets camp today. Mm-hmm. What do you think of this? Should the Jets make a move to sign him if he's healthy? If he's healthy. Now, the only reason that I was able to dig up that he was released from the 49ers is last year, he was their leading receiver. He caught the most passes. He had the most yards. But they have a lot of young emerging receivers there. So it's understandable why he was cut. Also, he was injured all preseason. He didn't even get a pass thrown at him in their last preseason game. So it's somewhat understandable. They didn't want to take the health risk. They got a bunch of young talent on that side of the ball. But, yeah, if he's healthy, look, he's played here before. Has he? Yeah, he's played under Todd Bowles in in 2015. So he played under Todd Bowles for one season. Obviously, the offense is going to be a little different this year, but he's played under Todd Bowles before. He's been a New York Jet, and he's automatically the first or second best wide receiver if he's signed and if he's healthy. So I think if he goes in, he proves he's healthy, 
then I think it's a no-brainer. They should sign him. They have nobody else. Robbie Anderson is a huge question mark. I don't even know any of the other receivers on the roster aside from him and Jermaine Curse. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. It's low risk. And worst case scenario, he has a pretty decent year and he's gone next year. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, the reason why you go out and get cursed, not only just for this year, but for next year and the year after, but also at some point, Hackenberg or Petty will be leading this team this year. Mm -hmm. Josh McCown is not going to be the starter all season. It doesn't make any sense. Right. So you need at some point for one of these two guys to be on the field, to give the, whoever is going to be the quarterback, whether it's Petty or Hackenberg, a chance to actually throw to somebody who knows how to play. And then, but it's twofold. It gives guys like Robbie Anderson or Jalen Marshall the ability to play in the slot and be that third receiver as opposed to having to be one of the top two guys, which they're clearly not ready for yet because they just came into the league and they couldn't do anything last year. Right. So it's twofold, and I think it's an excellent signing if it makes sense money-wise and for years. Because if you give them, let's say, one or two-year deal for the veteran minimum or something a little bit above that, I think it's an extremely good signing. If all of a sudden he's like, well, you know, I want to be paid like a, you know, like a number two receiver, uh, then I'm really kind of not going for that unless yeah. it's a one-year deal. One-year deal, I don't care. Pay whatever the hell you want. They've got the flexibility on, on their cap, so they can certainly afford it. But, yeah, I agree. You don't pay Jeremy Curley legit number two receiver money. He may be the number two receiver on this year's team, but that's not saying shit like we talked about yesterday. Jermaine Curse couldn't even crack the starting receiving core on the on the uh, Seahawks and Curley obviously was cut by the 49ers if he was that talented regardless of the influx of young talent and regardless of his injuries between him being their leading receiver last year it makes all the sense in the world to retain him so I'm with you if the dollars match up and he's healthy it's a no-brainer it lets the young guys develop and uh, one thing I wanted to mention you mentioned that McCann will not be starting their whole season and I agree obviously guys just so you know Todd Bowles, this is a contract year. This is a big year for him. He's going to try to win early. So, obviously, that's why McCown's in there. The second the season unravels, which will happen within the first five or six weeks because the Jets have a tough schedule this year. Three weeks. Yeah. Well, it's going to well, be no. real quick, dude. Well, it's, well, five or six isn't even halfway through the season. Usually, they start booting by, you know, game eight or nine if they're really low. But, yeah. Josh McCown's only going to play four or five games before one of those two sees action. And they still sit. I saw a report today. Bryce Petty's number two, which means Petty's getting the first crack at this. And it makes all the sense in the world. Hackenberg, like we talked about yesterday, did not perform well in the preseason. He made a couple of good throws. Obviously, he has the ability. For whatever the reason, they have not developed him well. Petty is much further ahead of him. He leads the team well. The preseason comeback, I know it's a preseason comeback. I know it's against a lot of twos and threes and guys who may not even make a roster. But that's impressive. He's always shown tenacity, and that's the type of guy I'd like to give a shot. So it's looking like Bryce Petty will be the starter from week five or six on. But in the interim, sign Curly if he's healthy, and the money makes sense. I guess that, that's all I have to say about that. Unless you have yeah, anything. That's really to add. all there is on the Jets. Yeah. So let's move on to hockey, Evan. So state of the New York Rangers. One of the lost episodes we touched on this, and of course I didn't air. But now that we figured everything out, let's talk about it a little bit. So what do you think we can expect from this Rangers squad heading into the upcoming season? I am. I'm pretty optimistic about the Rangers team this year. I think they're definitely a playoff team. Obviously. In, you know, it depends on injuries. But there's a lot of talent on this team. Obviously, Rick Nash is in the final year of his contract. He's going to be busting his ass to try to get a new deal. He's 33, so he's auditioning for basically every team in the NHL. Mm -hmm. 
Henrik Lundqvist, if he's healthy, you know, he's going to be solid as always. But the big thing is the defense in front of him. Mark Stahl needs to show up like Mark Stahl from a few years ago. And I don't know if he can. He's older. Mark Stahl, he just turned 30 years old. But he's making five. He's $5.7 million average salary on his contract. So he needs to step up. Mm-hmm. But they did pick – they do still have, obviously, one of the best, better defensemen in the league, Ryan McDonough. I'm looking for, his, you know, Kevin Shattenkirk to help with the power play. But, you know, Brendan Smith has to take it a step forward. Oh, what the hell is that guy's name that they just picked up? Some defenseman. I forgot from uh, Desjardins. Oh, okay. Yeah, not Desjardins. Desjardins is a sense they just picked up. Yeah. The guy who they got from Arizona. Um, listen, he's a, he's a decent defender, but he's going to be a bottom pair guy. So it's really going to show up, be like guys like Brady Shea to really take the next step forward. In terms of the offense, the offense I'm not worried about. You know, you have JT Miller, Kevin Hayes, Gradmere played amazing last year. Zuccarello is always great. Kreider led the team in goals with 28. Looking for Buchnevich to stay healthy and take a step forward. Uh, still missing a top line center, but maybe to advantage that if he has a breakout year, shows himself to be a top line center in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, at the end of this year, John Tavares will probably be a free agent. So, you know, just swap him and Rick Nash salaries, you know, that's a, that's a raise for John Tavares who will actually probably command about 13, $14 million, but you know, you he's never worth know. It. He's, he is worth it, but maybe, you know, like Kevin Shattenkirk give the Rangers a little discount because they think that they're closer to winning a cup than other teams are. Yeah. And I, and we're going to touch on that next, but I think that's the perfect segue into it. So you know, John Tavares still, and this is big news for Islanders fans still has not signed a long-term extension. And apparently it's not about dollars, years. It's not about that. It's about the direction that the franchise is heading. Look, they're leaving Barclays Center after this year. So where are they going? They still have no idea. And on top of that, they've missed the playoffs five of the eight years that Tavares has been in the league. And after a couple of years back, they had a very promising year. They started off really hot. They had the best record in the NHL. Then they really tapered off towards the end and didn't go anywhere. But uh, last year, they took a step back. And talent, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is a lot more questionable than it was then. So, Evan, what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that there really is legitimate possibility? I know you're a Ranger fan, and obviously needing a center and a top-line center, Tavares being the best in the game, it makes all the sense in the world. So, based upon that, Evan, what are your thoughts on the Islanders actually taking a step forward this year and giving John Tavares a lot to think about come the next offseason? I mean, John Tavares has shown that he will do anything it does to help his team win. If you look at his contract right now, his average salary is only $5.5 million, which is very low considering he's the top four player in the NHL. Right. So that means that Mark Stahl of the New York Rangers is actually making a higher average salary than John Tavares. Well, that's weird. It sounds sounds ridiculous. But John Tavares' contract is up at the end of this year, and they also have a few other guys who – some probably aren't coming back, but a few guys they would like to keep, like Shane Prince, is all, his contract is up. Uh, Thomas Hickey's is up. They're probably going to try to bring him back. Jason Chimera is probably gone. Uh, 38 years old, he's probably gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the Islanders, if they don't really make a concerted effort to really take a step forward and not only make the playoffs, but, you know, I think they need to make the Eastern Conference Finals to really show John Tavares that they're ready to take the next step mm. because he's already 26 years old. He's going to be a free agent next year, so he'll be 27, which means he has one more real shot at being a top player if he signs a long-term deal. So if he, let's say he goes to the Rangers and signs a seven-year deal, that's going to take him till he's 34. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So whatever team he goes to next, that's the team he really wants to take a shot at a cup with. Right. And the Islanders, after the letdown last year, I don't. I really don't think that they have a shot to keep him. I think he's going to leave. And obviously, I would love for him to go to the New York Rangers. But, <laughs> right. you know, that, that's a little bit of a dream, but it's not completely unrealistic with Rick Nash's contract. Like I said, Rick Nash's contract coming off the boards. You give that money plus a little bit more to John Tavares. You trade, I don't know, Chris Kreider, who I love, but it means getting John Tavares and dumping a little bit of salary. Mm-hmm. Now you do it. You don't bring back your Abner, and you have the money to get him. The Rangers will have the money to go get John Tavares at the right. end of this year. And they have the talent in just about every other area of the ice where he's, a legi- he's immediately going to a contender. It just rationally makes sense without having to move to other states or even to fucking Canada. He can just move across town or even stay where he lives. I don't know where the hell he lives in New York, but he doesn't have to move anywhere. And he's still in the Big Apple. He's still in the media and sports capital of the world. And he'll have a very good chance at heading to a cup as of next season. Oh, yeah. And you put him on a line with Matt Zuccarello and Kevin Hayes. Oof. They're going to rake. Yeah. and Destroy people. Especially when you have someone named Matt on a line. Yes. Zook. Exactly. Anyway, tiny hobbit. He will get the ring and he will bring it to Mordor and destroy it. Yes, exactly. So speaking of teams playing at MSG, so the Knicks, so Carmelo's still in discussions. I can't believe this shit isn't over yet. He wants to go to Houston. Phil Jackson really fucked up his relationship with the Knicks. And despite Phil being ousted a couple of months ago, he still wants out. Now, earlier today, reports came out that there was a three-way trade proposed. You need to stop playing with shit. Uh, <laughs> where Jabari Parker would have been sent to the Knicks. Obviously, the Bucks weren't retarded, and they weren't going to send Jabari Parker to the Knicks just so Melo could go to Houston and Milwaukee could receive some shitty second-rate players. So, no, why would they take – the Bucks aren't going to take Ryan Anderson's contract just to and dump Jabari Parker. It doesn't yeah, make any sense. It makes no sense. You won't replace the production. You're losing a much younger, higher-quality player. Then you get absolutely nothing out of the deal. Listen, Carmelo Anthony, when he first came to New York, was a top five player in the NBA. He was a superstar. He scored. He was always leading the league in scoring, if not in the top three, and he was great. He has declined in recent years. He's struggled with injuries in recent years, and obviously the talent around him in recent years has gone from decent to non-existent. This is going to be a tough year. I don't blame him for wanting to leave. At the same time, the perpetrator for fucking with you, Phil Jackson, is gone. You're not the player you once were. You're a nice second or even third piece to a nice, you know, big three. And unfortunately, I don't think Houston has what it takes to really give the Knicks anything close to resembling the return. And I highly doubt they'd be willing to take on a majority of Carmelo Anthony's salary. So the Knicks aren't just going to dump Melo to dump Melo. They're going to need to get something in return. Or at the very least, they're going to need to get most of that contract taken care of in exchange. So I don't see him going anywhere. It's probably going to be a bitter season. And, you know, like we talked about on one of the Lost podcasts, it's going to be interesting to see what happens between his playing time and Kristaps Porzingis' playing time because they both play the four. Melo is no longer capable of playing the three. And Porzingis, when they tried him at the five right now, still, and maybe it'll change, but I doubt it, they have some – younger talent I forget his name um the Spanish guy at center but he's not a center he can shoot he spreads the floor 
And it'll be interesting to see who gets more playing time. Obviously, if I'm Jeff Hornacek, Porzingis is the future of the Knicks. Carmelo Anthony is not. So if it's a question of playing time, I got to go with Chris Stops, and Melo's going to have to take a back seat unless somehow we can trim down, stay healthy, and play the three. But like we talked about one of the lost episodes, not likely. No. And I think that at this point, you know, yeah, the Knicks have to make a choice. Do you just, like you said, do you just dump Melo for basically nothing and a shitty contract, which they're not going to do? They're not going to take back Ryan Anderson's contract because that'll handicap them going forwards. But the problem with the N- NBA, as I said, the NFL. The problem with the, <laughs> the problem with the NBA is that money has to match on the trade, mm-hmm. so they can't just give Carmelo Anthony for you know a, oh, some bench warmer and a second round pick. You can't yeah. do that. The money, especially has when to- you're paying most of this contract, which is ultimately at this point what's going to happen. Nobody wants Melo that bad that they're going to overpay for him, and unfortunately, Phil gave him a sh- stupid fucking contract. With the full no trade clause, mind you. So it's not like the Knicks can just dump him somewhere, even if a team is stupid enough to pay the vast majority, if not all of his salary. It ain't going to happen. The Knicks are going to foot the bill for him to help another team produce and possibly go deep into the playoffs. So it doesn't make sense. Get what you can out of him. Worry about it next offseason. But at this point, it looks like we're stuck. And it's unfortunate because I don't think Melo's a bad guy. He's definitely not a LeBron James or, you know, a leader like that. He kind of leads by example. And unfortunately, he can get aloof on defense sometimes. And that's why a lot of people rib on him. But he's definitely the, man, the man boobs slow him down. <laughs> they do. And his, soft, his soft, doughy center is what slows him down on defense. Like the Pillsbury Doughboy, yes. Hello. Wait, no, oh. it's right. Ah. Oh. Yeah, so it's obviously not ideal, but it is what it is. And like, like we were talking about, unless Houston or some third team's willing to part with next to nothing, then it's just going to be Melo and Porzingis and who gets more playing time this year. And that's going to be the main storyline because the Knicks aren't going anywhere this year either. No, so they're not. At least we don't have to worry about the fucking triangle, though. Anyway, all right, heading into our ad. So, if you're looking to lose weight in a healthy, sustainable, and permanent way, you want to check out my service, Weight Loss by Pete. To do so, please go to weightlossbypete.com. You can set up a strategy call in the upper right-hand corner of the street screen. Or if you just want a free report that details the five strategies that I personally use to lose weight, you can do so by going to the homepage of my website, clicking download, and it'll be emailed to you. Really that simple. Evan, any plugs on your end? Nope. Just keep looking for, you know, my articles over on our Facebook page, Big Apple Sports Podcast on Facebook. Um, don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram, Big Apple Sports Podcast, Twitter, BA. NY, NY, NY Big, Big Apple, Apple Sports. Sport. <laughs> they don't let us spell out the whole fucking thing. It's uh, so annoying what Twitter does. Twitter is so stupid. I can't stand Twitter. And now they're starting to ban people, so we'll probably be banned well, just for saying Hopefully they'll that. ban us. Because, fucking you know. Nazis. Anyway. All right. So, Scumbag in Sports, he's the same guy we had yesterday. His name is Ezekiel Elliott. Evan, why is that? Yeah, you know, in honor of today being the day that they did, they're they supposed to hand down a judgment on whether or not the uh, suspension will stay at six games or be lowered or apparently thrown out because there's some weird rule that the NFL has that today's the date that they have to give a decision by 4 p.m., which passed and there's been no news because I just checked. There literally has been no news. So for all, so he may very well be playing week one. 
he might be. But Unless NFL, something yeah. happened and it wasn't reported yet. Yeah, well, the NFL has come out and said that they're not standing by that rule, even though Ezekiel Elliott's representation and the Cowboys both say that they are. They are. So we'll see what happens with that. But honestly, the NFL needs – they need to come down hard on this guy. And I was listening to Stephen A. Smith, which is something I try not to do too often. Um, <laughs> he makes good points, though, on shit like and this. He, and he made a really good one today. And it was basically the same one that I made yesterday. And it was that you have to you have to come down hard on this guy. But his reason was different. Hmm. It's not whether or not he is guilty. And I, had, I got clarification. The police were called five times in three days on Ezekiel Elliott. By the same woman. woman. By the same woman. Based on what the police officer saw, what the girl's mother said happened, it was consistent with domestic violence and him hmm. basically beating the shit out of her. That's the first thing. Hmm. Second thing, how stupid do you have to be to get the police called on you five times in three days. Yeah, I, I said that like, yesterday. You are I, a complete I, moron. I said that yesterday. Do, we don't know anybody who's been linked to domestic violence. It's really hard to be linked to domestic violence. The only way, unless, like I said, there are very rare instances where people with force like to say, this guy's a big-time athlete and he has money and I'm going to fuck him over. I'll beat the shit out of myself. I highly doubt that happened. It does, hey, it, fight it, club it, yourself. Yeah, 99.999% that did not happen here, all right? Some shit went down last year. He's obviously guilty in some way, shape, or form. So they do need to come down hard on this guy. I'm in 100% agreement. And you mentioned before the show, Evan, Ben Roethlisberger was just accused yep. of sexual assault. There was no arrest, no charges. Now, some people will say, well, guy has tens of millions of dollars. He probably just threw some money at the woman and she walked away. Maybe so, but he sat four games just for being accused. There was no evidence. Here, there's plenty of evidence. Yeah, it's Five like a, times it's in three tax. days? Yeah, it's a stupid tax. Hey, you're stupid. You keep getting in trouble. You get suspended. That's what it is, and they need to do it, and I think they can't reduce it. I think that you have to come out and you have to be listen, this is now – I mean, I'm repeating myself every single goddamn day, but people need to hear this shit. They need to come down. This is not acceptable. And it's not acceptable for NFL. It's not acceptable for regular people. But the NFL needs to say, hey, this is not acceptable in our league. Doesn't matter we how are, good you are. Yeah, we are your employer. You are going to sit for six games. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm still for them doing more. I think it should be half season at least. At least. But you have to come down hard because, honestly, the NFL is getting out of control with this shit. Mm -hmm. The Cowboys had 15 players arrested in the past year. 15 yes. You know, they've had all these – everyone knows the Greg Hardy stuff, the Ray McDonald stuff, all these guys getting arrested for domestic violence. You need to come down hard because the only way these guys care about anything is if you take away their money yep. because that's what they're playing for. You take them off the field and you take the money out of their pocket, then they're going to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Well, hopefully, you would, oh, you would yeah. think. Probably but so. yeah, Yeah, I mean, they came down really hard on Ray Rice. Now, granted, those videos were leaked. Those were incredibly egregious. He knocked her the fuck out. And he, he never got his, he never got another job. Now, granted, Ray Rice is no was and is nowhere near the talent that Ezekiel Elliott is. But that being said, you're right. The NFL needs to stop having these double standards. It doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how marketable you are. It doesn't matter what number you're going to be taking in fucking fantasy football if you play all season. If you do shit like this, if you beat a woman and you're called five times in three days, again, made the point earlier. Nobody we know has even been linked to this, let alone have the police called on them. So the fact that this guy had the police called in five times in three days proves something happened. And it was 
99.999% most likely that it was his fault. So they need to come down hard. They said six games, and you're right. It has to either stay there or increase. The appeal doesn't mean that it should either stay the same or go down. In some cases, you can revisit it and say, you know what? We didn't come down hard enough. Maybe we should increase it to eight games or maybe more of that. And maybe that'll teach them a lesson, not just in money, but just in that there are consequences for your actions. Listen, a lot of these fucking guys, and I've mentioned it maybe on one of the last episodes. I don't remember which one, but I went to Syracuse University. There's so much shit going on. The basketball team got away with so much shit. And, yes, there was a suit a couple of years ago about guys sexually assaulting girls, maybe trying to rape them, and, and all this other fucked up shit. And you know what? It took five or six years after these guys graduated – to do something about it. It's ridiculous. They get away with murder, literally, in OJ's case. There's no reason for it. It doesn't matter how big you are. You have to have the same consequences regardless of whether you're a fringe player or you're one of the best running backs in the NFL. So I'm in agreement with you. I hope the NFL came down hard, and I hope within the next 10 to 15 minutes there will be a press release saying, we looked at it, this is what's happening, and we can move on from it. But until then, we'll continue to hash the fact domestic violence is not okay. doesn't matter who you are or how good you are at your sport. Anything yes. else you want to add? No, and that being said, make sure that you like and, like and subscribe us on YouTube and iTunes so that you can get you know our opinions every day and see our beautiful faces and Peter's beautiful bald head. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram, Big Apple Sports Podcast, Twitter, whatever the hell we said. Before. And why Big Apple Sport Facebook, Facebook.com slash Big Apple Sports Podcast. You can also email the show. So if you have a topic in New York sports, even if it's not a pressing news of the day, if it's something you want us to cover, we're more than willing to cover it. So just email us, Big Apple Sports Podcast at gmail.com. For that, I'm Pete Weintraub. I'm Evan Freeman. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a good one.